Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef Podcast. Today's guest is a true crime author, all the way from Texas, and author of The Notorious Texas Swindler. Her name is Pepper Ann. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you're here. Um, We're going to jump straight into this. There's a lot to cover. So for my listeners, um, I mean, I always jump straight into it anyway, but... um, there's okay so to break this down pepper wrote this book called the notorious texas swindler it's about a gentleman called bob leach who i understand you are related to as well and we'll get to that later on but uh, basically he was the head of an infamous gang called the grayson county five have i got that right yes yeah and um there's a lot to this, as I understand. They're basically a group of gentlemen who did a lot of um, crimes together. They ended up in jail. They got caught. And then they had this big infamous heist, which I've sort of broken down. I've got various questions for you about this. Um, but that's kind of like the, 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 the crux of it. And, of course, they were quite difficult to capture and everything. And there's, oh, there's just so much to unpack with regards to just their interactions with each other as well. Um, so I wanted to kind of split this into discussing the crime itself and, and how it went down, uh, specifically the heist. And then we'll talk about, you know, your specific motivations for writing this book and, and you in general as a person, as my guest. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll jump. Yeah, we'll jump straight into the crimes. So we'll go from the top. Basically, start with the capture and prosecution element. So around midnight on Monday, October 15th, 2001, Bob Leach and his accomplices, Lin Gan, I think is, is yeah. So Lin Gan, his other accomplices surrendered and at the time had two hostages. Um, now this is interesting for me because in this particular sort of scenario, they had hostages. It was just down to Gant and Leach. And as I understand, the rest of the um, the gang had gone, you know, they'd gone their separate ways. And it was just him and Leach. And as I understand, like, Leach was originally sort of the leader of this gang. But then I guess there was like some trouble in paradise i don't know like arguments in the ranks of who's the leader and as i understand like in this particular scenario they were on different sides of the fence because leech i guess wanted to cut his losses and just get out of this scenario as much as possible like you know he he was treating as a from what i've read was treating the uh hostages well and gant was kind of like the opposite of that and you know i should paint a picture as well for for everybody so this is during a firefight that lasted many many hours with the police which just on a side note i, I couldn't quite believe how long it lasted it was somewhere in the region of eight to ten hours or something is that right it was eight hours eight it was hours. an eight hour shootout yeah or standoff yeah it's like how much ammo did they have like oh my god <laughs> well <laughs> So, so what happened was, um, so, so Bob and the other four fugitives, when they escaped the Grayson County jail in Sherman, they took off. And when they were on the run, they would, they were going to other individuals' homes and they were 
stealing stuff. They were stealing weapons and stealing ammo from other people. So along the way, they had gathered up all of this, you know, ammo and all the guns and everything. Um, so when they got to the last stop and, and Bob and Gant were together and the other three kind of split and went separate directions, Bob and Gant um, ended up in Forestburg, which is where the house, it, it's the house where they were when they held Vince and Irma hostage. That's the married couple. And then they just started, they just pulled out whatever guns they had and they just started shooting, but they weren't doing it the whole time. In the beginning, when they first started, it was because law enforcement had pulled up and they were following them because they spotted them. So they followed them and Bob was, was driving the SUV. So he tore off and he ended up pulling into the driveway of Vincent Norma's home and he came to a quick stop and they got out and they got their guns and started shooting and they were doing it to keep them away, I guess, keep law enforcement at bay. And then every once in a while, when it finally kind of calmed down and everything, every once in a while, Gant would go outside and shoot the guns at law enforcement. Um, like to Bob remind them, inside. like, hey, we're still here, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like they needed to be reminded. They did, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so they weren't shooting the whole time, but right. for you know a majority of the time they were. Uh, but it was it was it was scary. It was scary for everyone involved. And the uh, visit Norma's family were there at the mm. shootout in that area, and um, their stories are amazing. I have their. I have their stories in the book and they're just, they're amazing. I'm very close to that family and their, their versions of the story. It's just, it, it's heart wrenching because we can only imagine your parents are being held hostage and you, you want to get to them, but you can't, there are these madmen holding them hostage. You don't know what to do. And then suddenly one of them is continually violent the whole time. And then another one decides to help them get out of the house and flee. Right. And Leech so- was the one who helped them get out. Yeah. I, I read in the police report that um, <laughs> one of the, the police officers said, everyone has a little bit of good in them. And as I understand, like, out of the two of them, I think Leach might have been a, a little bit more aware of the scenario and like what's like they probably weren't going to get out of this either alive or you know free of the plate. Like it's it's kind of a lose lose kind of scenario. But then this is kind of what what I wanted to understand more is where maybe both of their heads were at because not only are their fates kind of sealed at this point and they're in totally different head spaces like psychologically but like and we'll get to this later on like their um their trials and everything those went separate directions as well but one one thing i found really interesting is that eventually leech actually shot gun is that right he did he shot him in the abdomen um i do want to say the uh individual that said that we uh we all have a little good in us uh that was actually uh, Irma. She mm. was the one. She was the wife. And when okay. they interviewed her, she was the one that said that. Uh, um, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's all right. No worries. Um, but yeah, so at the very end <laughs> of, of um, 
of the shootout, Vincent and Irma were out of the house and Gant had fallen asleep. And then all of a sudden he woke up. He was asleep on the couch because he'd had all the whiskey and I mean, he passed out from all the liquor he'd consumed. Hold, hold so, on a second. Let's back up a second. They're <laughs> in the middle of a shootout with the police mm-hmm. for eight hours and Gant mm-hmm. is just getting loaded and then just passes out. What? <laughs> well, Bob was drinking too. <laughs> they both were because they had stolen whiskey and all kinds of alcohol at the previous home that they were at because they had terrorized another family before they got to this to this right. house. Mm-hmm. And so they had taken the woman hostage. So before they took her um several counties over, um they grabbed they grabbed all the ammo, they grabbed, you know, weapons alcohol, anything they could get their hands on. And they put it in the SUV along with the woman mm-hmm. and they took off. So when they got in the house, they had that alcohol and they, they'd they been drinking it. They'd been drinking while they were on the run anyways, the whole I time. Just, I just don't understand this because like when they were the Grayson County Five, like all together, they sounded a lot more organized. And of course I understand that like, when things break down, you don't have the benefit of maybe having a group mentality, you know, think think it's less structured. Mm-hmm. And clearly out of Leech and Gan, Leech was much more level headed about the situation in comparison with Gan, which probably also explains why he was the leader of the gang previously, because it's like, I don't know, Gan seems quite impulsive by comparison. And, but for the life of me, I can't really understand the psych psychology of this like you're having a fire firefight with the police surely the objective is to get out or sorry to put it bluntly but like to, to die trying like like there has to be some sort of plan there even if it's a short put together not very good plan like that i'm just stumped at that like what was going through their heads well i maybe can shed some light on this <laughs> So Bob ended up in the Grayson County Jail on charges of kidnapping and um, his his girlfriend. He was married and he had mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a girlfriend at the time. Um, and and she had had said that he had um, assaulted her. Right. And so he ended up and, and he violated his uh, parole. So he and, and with all the cattle cons and everything going on. So that's how he ended up in the Grayson County Jail. Once he got in there, he managed to convince these other inmates mm-hmm. to help break him out. And the reason he wanted to get out is because he wanted to go and get revenge on the people who had done him wrong. They were involved right. in the crimes with them. Yeah, and, and they got away with it. And they're out still today committing really? crimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The ex-wife, she is involved in um, an adoption agency, a worldwide adoption agency, and she oversees their finances. And she was overseeing the finances of all the cons that she and Bob and all the others were committing. So <laughs> um, so that that's what led Bob to break out of the jail. He wanted to get out and he wanted to go back. He actually went to confront his ex-wife and she wouldn't answer the door. And I put in the book, there's proof that she was, he was there, she knew it and she lied. So it's all in the book. So that was why he wanted to break out because he wanted to get even and say, hey, come on, you gotta (laughs) mess up here. And when, and when he went on the run with these other individuals from the jail, um, 
then that's when it, that's when things went a whole other direction. And I don't know, as far as a plan, he was the one who planned it all. (laughs) And he knew what he wanted to do when he got out, but it just didn't play in his favor, I guess. And so that's when he and all the other inmates went and and they, and that's when they ended up going in the direction that they did. And then he, um, once he got involved with a couple and the shootout and everything, I think he had said, that was, that was it. That's it. That's I'm done. This is not what I wanted. Mm. Um, And so that's when he started working with the authorities and trying to release Vincent and Irma. Once he did, then he was trying to get away from Gant. Now Gant was passed out on the couch. Like I was saying, he was asleep on the couch and he woke up and he wanted to know where Vincent and Irma were at. And Bob told him, he said, we need to go. We need to leave. We need to walk out peacefully. And then that's when things took a turn. Um, okay. And that was when Bob pulled pulled the gun. I don't know who pulled first. I don't know if Gant had his gun. These are things I'm just not 100% sure. Um, But Gant was very violent the whole time. And and make no mistake about it, Bob was just as violent Mm -hmm. at the previous residences and all the other places that they were at. Bob was involved in those crimes too. But something about Vincent and Irma, he just wasn't. I don't know. There was just something I, I believe because I've met them. Um, they remind me a lot of our family. Mm. And so I can't help but wonder if maybe there was a, some kind of a connection for him. Maybe he just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe he viewed them as, or I, I don't know, fam- family. I, I don't know. No, I, I get what, I get exactly what you're coming, where you're coming from. I mean, there's a couple of things going through my head. Like, first of all, I mean, we've, so, we've seen so many movies over the years of like s- similar kind of concepts where there's always like one or two people in a given group who, you know, have that sense of morality and, and aren't really completely engaged with what's going on or completely detached. And then, of course, you've got to think about the group mentality. Obviously, when you're a part of a group and you're you know committing crimes or, or even just, just mucking around or something like that sorry to put it like that in the context of this but you know what i'm saying like people act differently in a group versus on their own right yeah and i wonder that maybe because it was just leech again leech was kind of thinking okay this is as you said earlier not how i plan things what's the best way of getting out of this scenario whereas i feel like again gant was much more impulsive and kind of like no, screw you. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And that was that was something actually I wanted to ask you about before was like how it came to be that the shooting happened. But that makes a lot more sense to me than just like randomly. Like I, I was kind of like thinking, okay, if you got your accomplice, you why would you shoot your accomplice kind of thing? Like there's got to be a reason for that. But if mm-hmm. if it's like Leech trying to appeal to Gant and Gant's being unresponsive and they get violent and it's like a mistake kind of thing, then that makes a lot more sense because it's like, okay, or maybe self-defense as well that's an argument too but well yeah i mean coming from a family perspective of Mm -hmm. bombs (laughs) um he's a big guy he's well six foot tall and i mean he's a big fella and so i find it hard to believe that gant gant was mean gant was very mean 
um, mm-hmm. mentally. And he was just a very mean person. But I can't help but think that Bob, Bob could take care of himself, if that makes sense. I mean, he, <laughs> he's, he's a big guy. And sure, but if someone's coming at you with a gun or. Well, yeah, you know, but I don't know that. Yeah, and, and like I said, Gant was asleep on the couch. And I'm not saying Gant charged at Bob. He didn't do that. Um, I just don't know if at the end, because I have several versions, I've interviewed law enforcement and nobody was in the home at the time except hmm. for Bob and Gant. So I do want to make that clear. Um, Gant had a gun and Bob had a gun. Now, I don't know who drew first. I really don't. But all I know is that Gant woke up and he wanted to know where they're at and, and his tone and everything. And I don't know, depending on who you believe. And Bob is a compulsive liar. <laughs> hey. So anything I ask, I'd ask him, but I have to I have to triple check everything with other individuals, law enforcement witnesses, just everyone, because I can't take him at his word. But <clears throat> For whatever that... reason, Bob Bob pulled the gun and shot him in the abdomen. And there's different theories as to why. There's different theories. You know, I don't know. This is something I wanted to ask you about as well. Because um, you're cousins with Bob Leach, is that right? Yes, that's right. And okay. I did not know, and he didn't know about me. Neither one of us knew about the other one before I started writing this. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you'd not <laughs> met. Bef- previous mm-hmm. to this no. okay interesting no. okay and but you've you've spoken to him directly is that right oh yes yeah so what happened was my grandpa riley passed away in sorry for your loss 2006 thank you thank you so much um and when he passed away that's when i learned a little bit more about family history learned See. about cousins that you know didn't didn't know about um so my mom and bob's dad our cousins because my grandpa and Bob's grandpa were brothers. Now I didn't know about his grandpa and he didn't know about mine. Um, So once I learned the story and I heard about Bob and I read online about the cattle wrestling crimes that he was involved in with the other individuals that I exposed, something didn't add up. It just didn't make sense to me because like I said, the individuals he was involved with are still out today committing crimes. And I could not understand for the life of me why he was the only one that ended up behind bars. He should be behind bars, but so should they. So then I reached out to him. He's in prison. And I said, I'm your cousin. I want to talk to you. I want to write this story. And then it went from there. That's how it happened. How responsive was he? Was it, did he take this positively or was he a bit cagey about it? Like, how did he feel about you writing this story and reaching out to him he wanted me to write the story okay he wanted me to write it because there have been several individuals who've tried whatever reason they didn't finish they felt it fell through but i stayed with it and i think he knew because it was coming from a family angle it was coming from i told him i told him up front i'm gonna tell everything and he said i want you to he didn't want me to know everything he did he was embarrassed. He knew okay. better. I mean. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So he's got a sense of remorse now. Well, he does, but I will say this. He is angry. He's very angry right now. I think once, if there is ever any kind of justice regarding everything, 
then maybe he can be a little more remorseful, if that makes sense. Um, he's, he's angry because his ex-wife, like I said, was overseeing all the financial aspects of all the cons that they were running. And then she is out and about today and still committing crimes, working with children and churches. And so we're all the other individuals. There's a big crime ring here. And he's, he's angry. He's told me that he said, I'm not the only one who's supposed to be in here. And I think he knew that the reason I wanted to write the story is because I wanted to pull all that out and expose it. And so there was a relief for him for me gonna, to do this. I'm going to say something that might come across a little bit controversial, but there's a reason why I'm going to say it. So couple of things. Firstly, it's quite clear, you know, that a lot has been pinned on him and Gant. And maybe I'm throwing a theory out there from the perspective of the police force. It's kind of like, okay, well, we got the guys, job done, case closed, right? But there's a lot of things within this case that are pretty concerning and and kind of make the law enforcement involved look really bad. Um, and this is one of the things I wanted to go back to, for example, the prison break. So, you know, we, we touched on that a little bit earlier, but they were able to jimmy the locks and get through the doors. They crawled through the ventilation system and tunneled their way through a dirt floor in the basement, leaving wadded up sheets and newspapers in their bunks. Um, my question to you just on this is why do you think the security was so terrible at this jail? I realize it's not prison, so it's different. I know there's a big difference, but why was it so easy for them to get out? You know, this isn't Shawshank Redemption. It's not like the fifties. This is in the early two thousands. What did they not have any resources? Like what gets, how, how was it so easy? Okay. Let me just say, first off, this is the second time Bob broke out of jail. He okay. broke out of another jail in the 80s. So when he broke out in the 80s, he jimmied the locks. And he, he um, someone had brought in a little saw blade for him. And he, <laughs> this really happened, I swear to God, it did. And he sawed his way out. Um, and he, he managed to get out. So he jimmied the locks in that one. When he was in the Grayson County Jail, what they did was they climbed through the air duct system, the, through the vents, you know, up through the, through the ceiling. And they went that route and that's how they they dug a tunnel that way um i have to say i interviewed the individuals in grayson county i interviewed sheriff gary i interviewed all the the da i interviewed everyone you know some of them on the swat team and i want to say they were amazing with me okay i want to i could just cry thinking about them um they they weren't prepared for something like this. It, it's a small, uh, it's a small town. I mean, they're not thinking that somebody's gonna escape their jail. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a smaller community. They're thinking we've got them. We've got these guys. Let's, you know, you've got to hold them, let them go through the process. Nobody, nobody thought that this would happen. It never crossed their mind. If it had, then they would have had better security. But there's always a first time that something happens that causes mm -hmm. that that's a reason for something to take place. And what I mean by that is 
if that hadn't happened, who knows? They may, may still be operating the same way. And they didn't know that. And I felt, I, I don't, I just don't think they were prepared. All of them were very professional with me. In Grayson County, they were absolutely amazing with me. I think they did the best that they could. I'm proud of them. My hat goes off to them. They heard about the escape. And I want you to know those officers, those deputies, everybody, the rangers, troopers, everybody you can imagine, they were working around the clock to bring them in. And they did. And I, I just, I don't think they were prepared for that. I know they weren't. Nobody expected that, you know? Come on. But because of Bob and all of them, they do have security. They have everything in place that is needed. So that won't happen again. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I, th- I think, like, yeah, obviously I have to ask just to kind of paint a picture of, like, what the scenario is and um, bringing it back to what I was asking you before. That kind of changes the scenario of the or the situation as far as like the people that are still free. I mean, maybe it's less a case of, you know, police maybe not doing enough. Maybe it's a case of more like not having the resources to, you know, pursue these people. Cause it's both, yeah. I mean, if you don't have the resources, you don't have the means, like what can you do? Do you know what I mean? Well, these individuals who are out walking around have paid a lot of money to stay uh, out. Okay. Yeah. So there wasn't a serious investigation done on them. There just was not. Um, It's people in high places who have managed to get away with their crimes, and they still are doing it today. They've been in Bob's life since the 80s. And I want to explain this. So Bob got caught up in the 80s um, with a DPS state trooper. The trooper approached him and said, would you like to get into cattle wrestling? I want want you to do this. Because he'd heard the history of Bob. He'd heard that Bob was wonderful working around ranches. He knew what he was doing and he wanted the best. And so it's what he did. He got Bob under his wing. Bob was about 19 at the time. So he got involved with that trooper. Um, The trooper ended up losing his license, but that's about it. He was charged with tampering with a witness, which is a felony. But the judge adjudicated the crime and sentenced him. He, He received the sentencing of a misdemeanor instead of a felony. And he spent minimal days in the jail. He's still out and about today. He's not in Bob's life. The people that paid Bob's bonds in Comanche County are the ones who have been in his life ever since. And they're the ones who got Bob involved more with more crimes. Um, Money laundering. Just many, many different things, many different crimes. Um, so when, when they paid the bonds for Bob and then they had him running drugs, they had him doing all kinds of things. The individuals that got in trouble alongside with Bob, they paid their way and they got out. They should have ended up going to prison. The fella that was involved in uh, Bob's first escape from jail in Callahan County, he was the one who had brought in a saw blade for Bob um, he should have gone to prison, but he didn't. His charges were dropped 
and there was proof that he was involved. And I have proof of all this stuff. See, they thought that they had gotten rid of all this paperwork, but I found it. Leave it to a family member <laughs> to find what's needed. <laughs> Try to help them, right? I'm not trying to free Bob. I'm just trying to get some serious eyes on all of this to look and say, hey, we need to, we need to take this serious and consider, consider what's going on here. No, I agree. I mean, like, it's not fair that it's all pinned on like one or two people. Like if, and especially since they're still out and about and doing, committing these crimes. And it's kind of, it's kind of fascinating to me because, you know, like just on a side note, I've been watching a lot of like classic gangster movies lately. Just, I love classic cinema. Right. But the thing that always kind of strikes me is that these crimes and stuff and like they take place in a time where you could kind of get away with certain things. You could do that. It was a lot e I'll say easier but like you know people were more influenceable that you know there was ways of covering your tracks etc right but times are different now you know things like forensics are different now and but the thing that's that is the same is that people are people and if there's a will there's a way like do you know what i mean we see it over and over again like people that absolutely should be in jail high profile people celebrities and somehow mm -hmm. they're not they're free they're able to get you know get by the system and it's like i guess it's the classic friends in high places situation isn't it um sorry to say for, for for bob but like i guess he just didn't have the right friends or the right resources and then it just got pinned on him and then that's what can you do really in that scenario i mean not to say he shouldn't be in prison for the crimes but at the same time it's like when you when you speak about justice Obviously, you want everyone to be accountable for that, not just one like, person taking the blame for everyone. You know, that, that does seem unfair. Like this, I just want to talk more about this DPS trooper, for example. Um, do, you, do you know of like the motivations of this trooper and why he decided to court Bob into this? Because, you know, he's a young man and he's being coerced into this behavior. Do, 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 is there any, do you know the reasoning behind that? Well, I tracked him back to a theft ring from the 70s, the DPS state trooper, and other law officials tied in in Comanche County. So <laughs> uh, the trooper was crooked from the start. Right. And okay. he found a chance to, so he, he had been stealing farming equipment from okay. individuals in the area. And so he had heard because he had met Bob through Bob's father, Marvin. And Marvin was the one who introduced Bob to the trooper. Um, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the trooper caught wind that, hey, you can make some money with this cattle rustling. And so oh, I see. that's what, yeah. So he was just looking for another way to make a quick buck. And he was a very, the, uh, the trooper was just very crooked. He was very crooked from the minute, I mean, from the word go, you know. Um, the theft ring that I had written about, there was all kinds of information. Um, these individuals in law enforcement would, uh, would load up. They'd have a few guys who had records and they kind of pinned it on them is what they did. Um, they loaded up the farming equipment, they hauled it off and they ended up taking it as far to another country into Mexico and selling it. So it was never found. 
It's always yeah. Mexico, Southern, isn't it? It's always Mexico. Always, <laughs> it's always just, Mexico. As soon as you get south of the yeah. border, it's like <laughs> the rules just change completely. You get your, get your money, get your tequila, and get out of there. Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it, it, it just so, so he, so the trooper, the trooper was just looking for another way to make a quick buck, and he found it with Bob. Well, here's a question for you. Uh, what if? Do you think Bob ever stood a chance of living a crime-free life, like, or was it inevitable for him? Like, let's say he didn't meet this state, state trooper or he decided against working with him. Like, is there any other life for Bob or was this just inevitable? I tell you the time that I think Bob could have stepped away from the criminal life. And I don't know if it would have been completely, I think he would have been involved in crimes, but I don't think it would have been to this extent. Mm-hmm. When he ended up in prison, after uh, violating his probation from Comanche County. And he ended up in there, the individuals that paid his bonds from Comanche County. They knew his ex-wife and he met her and she pulled him back in to this lifestyle. But I have, I have letters where Bob had written to family members saying he wanted to get out of this lifestyle. He wanted to do something different. Now, you know, I don't know if he would have, if he wouldn't have been around her and all the rest of them, he would have had a chance. And, and that's the one opportunity that I strongly believe. And so does the rest of our family. If he was not going to do it anymore, that would have been the chance, but she got him out. She got him back involved. And we'll do, never you know. think, do you think it's fair to say maybe he was, I know how this sounds, but like easily influenceable? Was it a love thing? You're just hopelessly in love with her and just went along with it? Or was there other motivations for him? I believe he fell in love with her. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he did. He was very easily swayed. You know, he was in a prison. He hadn't talked to him. He was. He'd gone through a divorce. He was married. Right. And this woman out of the blue just writes him. I mean, he's he's shown her picture by another inmate. Um, and this gal sent her picture in and um, hooked him. And once once it got to that point, he couldn't couldn't get away or didn't want to get away. I don't you know, I don't know. He you know, but but the thing is, Bob had committed crimes at such an early age. And so. Uh, it, it's kind of like if he's if he's not going to get in that lifestyle, he can't be anywhere around it, and he, and it was all around it. So yeah. I don't think he stood a chance of getting away, even if uh, we blame her. We don't like <laughs> we don't like her or them because of what they've done. No, but I think this is an important and, argument to make in the in the frame of this, because like while we are all accountable for our own individual actions you know, not everyone is a strong willed, you know, I will do this. I won't do that. Like some of us are are just not like that. And the way this kind of sounds is like, okay, this is a man who he kind of bounced from crime to crime, you know, never really knowing which way, you know, Um, not to say he wasn't completely, you know, wasn't ever steering his own ship, so to speak. But like, it does sound like, you know, things get presented to him. He thinks, why not? Maybe I don't have anything else going on now. Here's a way to make money. Like, you know, keeping it simple, right? And in this scenario, it kind of does sound like this woman just 
used him like just picked out a guy like oh he'll be useful for this stuff i want to run used him and then got rid of him when she needed to and she continues to do her thing and he's in prison and it kind of i can't help but like the cynic in me kind of looks at that like it's planned like it's you know it it was planned and i haven't shared this with anyone else except for family but um so i i had worked with other private investigators in the past it was not licensed but i did it at my own discretion and because of that experience it gave me the knowledge um of, of how to know how to dig and where to go and find this information I happened to find when I was <laughs> learning about her, she had been involved with other individuals who were incarcerated and had married one of them. Interesting. And they ended up back in prison. And she got away from them. So, yeah, we think it was planned. <laughs> we think she was sent by the individuals that paid Bob's bonds in Comanche County. Yeah, I think she was just a, just a pawn in a game. And she allowed herself to be. Um, but Bob, but but make no mistake about it. You know, yeah, he was easily influenced, but he committed those crimes. And by golly, I'm not trying to talk him. I'm, I'm not trying to make him look good or mm-hmm. in, in any way. You know, he had, a, he had an opportunity to get away, but many have said he could not get away from these people. They were so dangerous. They were so dangerous. So I don't think it mattered what he would have done. I don't think he really would have been able to live a crime-free life. And at this point, I don't think he wants to because that's all he knows. Well, that's another factor, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Mm -hmm. if that's all you've known, you've been surrounded by that, then that's probably the only life you're ever going to realistically lead. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. if Bob was out now, for example, let's say he got parole, what's he going to do? You know, I mean, it's it's very well known that like convicts find it very hard to. It's not impossible, but you know, if if it's a sorry to put it so crudely, but if it's a difference between, I don't know, working, you know, let's say like a cleaning job or something, or something like a really like simple task, like a restaurant, something like that, versus hey, here's an opportunity to make a score, set you up for a while. Da, 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 da. It's you're good. You're probably going to go for that. You're going to go for what you know, what you're good at, the chance to make more money, you know? I agree. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Bob is one of the best con men that I think anyone's ever come in contact with. I can read through his cons. I'm blown away <laughs> when he talks and I'm like, how come other people don't see this? What, what you- you're, well, you know, I don't, I don't visit him anymore at the prison. I had my name taken off of his list. And the reason I did is because there was an individual who I wanted him to remove and he would not. And this individual was tied in with the people involved in the crimes with him from the eighties. And um, I didn't want to put myself or our family, anyone in jeopardy. Mm. So I had to take my name off the list. But when I would go visit Bob before, I could read his cons. He was still trying to con people. In prison? He was, mm-hmm, but outside. Outside oh, of prison. Yeah. Okay. He was so angry. You have to understand this. Um, I can't stress it enough. He just, he's so angry at what these people have done to him. Meaning his ex-wife. 
about how they used it. Yes, yes. And, and, And that's why, I believe that's why he's still doing what he's doing. So he's kind of like driven by revenge at this point, would be fair to say. Yeah, he is. And I understand. I get it. Mm. (laughs) You know, and and as his family, that's why I took this on and other family members. We just want justice because he deserves, he's done a lot and he's in there, but he deserves, he deserves to heal. And that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help him heal by bringing all of this out, I just want a serious investigation. I want these people looked at so my family member can go on and try to heal. Leave him alone. You mentioned there that that you um, you can see his cons. You can understand like how his mind works. I'm interested. Like, what do you think makes him a good con man? Like, what what exactly is different with what he does versus other people? Let's say. He's so he's so charming in the way he speaks to people. He can make <laughs> a bad story sound wonderful. Mm. He is, as I said, he's a compulsive liar. So he knows how to really pour the butter on. And if he hears this, he's going to get mad, but I don't really care. He really knows. <laughs> he really knows how to get his side across. And convince people he's just he's just very charismatic um he appears to be sympathetic towards people you know if someone's having a bad day he wants to know all about it and then he wants to you know he's just very charismatic i can there are times i could just i could just slap him i'm like stop it you need to quit doing this to people because <laughs> would he try it on you no, he knows better than to try it on any of us, on, on family. He knows better than that. But did he but, ever try it on you and you kind of realized in the mid, like, oh, he's, he's doing this? He pulled it once on me and I put a stop to it. How did he that put a stop? How did that happen? Well, I embarrassed him. Okay. I called him out in front of everybody, the guards, and embarrassed him. <laughs> I humiliated him. <laughs> He knows better. <laughs> but, but what you stood know? out for you? How did you sort of guess that? Like, what did you pick out that was like that? This is a con. He's trying. It wasn't really, it wasn't really a con. Okay. Let me just share the story with you. We were talking. This is really silly. Um, we were talking. We were at a visit. We had another family member with us. And he said, we were talking about music. And he said, we listen to opera in here. And I said, no, you don't listen to They don't play opera in prison and he got mad and we got into an argument and the more he talked, the more he lied and the more I could tell. And I just blew it. And I know that's not a con, but that's just, I can read him. (laughs) I can read him. And there's another individual, Mr. Davis, he's in the book. He knows how to read Bob's cons and lies because cons are lies. And that's what you know, he's he's able to so easily pull that with people because it's all he knows. Uh, there been there there was there was a time where he had said, uh, I need money for this for my commissary. Mm. I said, No, you don't. I'll put money in your commissary, but you don't need it for that. And I called him on it. And I just, you know, he 
he knows it. But but I, I do want to say this. Like I said, he's a compulsive liar and he does it without even realizing it. It just That's comes scary. so easy to him. Yeah, it just comes so easy to him. So he'll say something and then he may not remember it later. They say a lot with compulsive liars that like they lie so much that they have trouble distinguishing the truth from their own lies. Do you think that's true with Bob? Do you think he's kind of like living in a world of a delusion? I do. Yeah. Because he's done it for so long. Like I said, every, every chance that he has to con, he does. And I think his motivation behind it is for revenge. I really do. You mentioned I mean, earlier. I'm, oh, so go on. No, that's okay. I just, I, I, I know that. I just, I know that because I know how angry he is. I just, it's not right, but it is what it is, you know? Well, everyone's motivated by something, aren't they? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned before that you'd work with private investigators. So I kind of wanted to ask you, what would you say were the biggest lessons you learned from working alongside them? they were just wonderful. (laughs) I learned that when you are trying to get information, you have to be open-minded. You have no idea what you're going to uncover. You got to be prepared for anything and everything, you know? Um, You have to handle everything with care, with ease, because you don't, you don't know how people are going to respond to you. You know, just because someone wants help and they want the facts, you have to be careful in how you present that information to them. Because information that you can find for people that is hurtful, it can ruin their lives. It can devastate them. You have to just be careful when you're uncovering other people and their dirty deeds. I mean... It's simple as that, you know, it can destroy people's lives. I have learned how to look for information that people need to know, maybe to help uncover crimes or just whatever it is. And I love that. I've always had an interest in wanting to be a bounty hunter because of working with the PIs. Yeah. But of course I didn't because, you know, I have family and I I don't want to, I don't want to do something that, you know, it that that would probably be perfect for someone who didn't have a family that they were concerned about or whatever. But, you know, it's the adrenaline. It's the excitement of it all, you know. I get you. I get you. Dur- during the course of working with these private investigators, what would you say were the most surprising or shocking parts of working with them? Was there anything that just kind of caught you by surprise, maybe? I think there was one time when I was working with a private investigator and they were, we were on a case. Like I said, I wasn't licensed. I just kind of shadowed and followed. And they went to extremes to get those answers. My, my thought is sometimes, and everybody's different. Sometimes if you step away from something and come back, you can get the answers then. Mm. You don't always have to go full force ahead. You are always going to have another opportunity for something else. It may not be the same, but that's something I learned is that um, some individuals believe in going full force, no matter the condition. 
and get the answers and some don't. And I'm, I'm more on the safer side where if there's something going on and I want answers, I'll, I'll come back to it, but I don't want to put myself in any kind of jeopardy. Yeah, of course. That was the one eye-opening experience for me that it, it did shake me a little bit. I think it's part of why I didn't want to get my license because, you know, you don't know what, you know, no, I, get I don't it. want to be easy to find if I'm trying to get information. You know what I mean? I don't want people to track me. Does that make sense? I know no, that might sound I, I kind get... of shady, but no, hey. I, I, to I totally get it. <laughs> You know, I was, I was watching um, this movie, uh, Chinatown, recently, classic movie from the 70s. So for those who don't know, it's a private investigator. He's gets sort of caught up in a particular um, crime and it's outside of what he normally does and it it just ends up in catastrophe. And it constantly, the other thing that I noticed, speaking to your concerns about it, um, the safety element is he's constantly finding himself in dangerous situations, being threatened, everything. And it's, it goes back to what you were saying before about, you know, you're uncovering people's dirty deeds, their secrets, whatever people are going to protect that. They're going to protect what's close to them or try and protect their reputation or whatever the case may be. So if you're working as a private investigator or bounty hunter or whatever else, you got to expect you're probably going to be involved in danger. And as you mentioned before, like having a family, stuff like that, that changes maybe whether or not you you go towards that particular life path i would imagine a lot of people that get in that line of work maybe either don't have a family or they've done they put significant efforts in place to try and protect that fiercely but you know you're never really safe in that line of work you know you're really not and i had some family members they were they wanted to hear oh my gosh this is exciting tell me right. about it and then there were others who said mm -mm, mm. get out of it and there's a reason why people hide certain things. It's because they don't want everybody knowing things about them, details, you know. Um, no, I totally and it get is, that. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's... What do they say? Knowledge is power. You know, it can be easily used against you. I mean, it's like I, I live a public life in the sense of like what I share online and stuff and what I do, but there's a lot I, I keep cl very close to my chest and no one will ever know because it's, you should definitely do that. That's why they call it a private life people. That's uh, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like have a, have a private life. Don't tell everyone. Like I've, just, this is a complete tangent right now, but the amount of people online I've seen who were very forthcoming and candid with their, their lives online and then it backfired it was used against mm -hmm. them it's like knowing too much about a person um or give, give, what is it they call it airing your dirty laundry it, it can be used against you and it will be used against you and the same is true of like be careful who you trust guys because whoever you love whoever you care about you know friends whatever that can become an enemy of yours things will can and will be used against you so be careful who you trust and what you say <laughs> Not only that, you know, I remember, um, I don't know if people still do this, but I know when Facebook first came out or mm. any of the social media, people would post. I had friends who did this. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm going here. I'm going there. Oh, my God. Here. What are you doing? People yes. still do that. There's people that still they do that. Still the chicken thing. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you'll be oh like, gosh. especially in, in, in the States, like 
you're just inviting people yeah. to come attack you. Like, why right. on earth would you tell? Like, I'm careful with that. Like, when it comes to yeah. like taking photos. So, for instance, mm-hmm. I never take photos of where I live. I never mm-hmm. take photos. Like, I know that sounds obvious, but like even places close to it, because it's mm-hmm. you know you you, mm-hmm. you can do things like now you you can do image search and uh, find exactly where the coordinates where someone lives like people do it through things like geocaching and stuff online where they're able to like isolate an image and roughly figure out where something is and it's like that's terrifying so you you know what i mean like if you're posting pictures like saying like this is where i'm at it's like you might as well Mm -hmm. just like be like yeah come attack me it's like like an invitation almost i I just blows my mind I agree. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm just blown away that people still do it. I mean, they're still doing that because (laughs) with all the 48 hours and all this stuff with all these episodes. It's, it's, it's the ignorance thing. It's it's like, I had a friend, um, an acting friend who recently moved to, to where I live. And I noticed in her videos, like she, she was posting roughly of where she, where she lived, like views and stuff like that. And I just messaged, I was like, listen, be careful like you will get people stalk you you'll get trouble and she was like oh no no i'm being careful and i'm like well i was like i can see for instance the exterior of this building i could figure out roughly where that is Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think she took it on board but like (laughs) ah, like stop showing people that like come on guys Oh my God. Um, let's bring it back to the crime. Um, I've still got lo- many questions to ask you, but there's a few things I want to kind of iron out with regards to um, the prosecution of Leach and Gant and also just some miscellaneous stuff related to it. So one thing I find really interesting is the decision for all five men of the Grayson County Five to go their separate ways with the exception mm-hmm. of Gant and Lynch. Why did Gant and Leach choose to stick together and why did the others go their separate ways? Well, honestly, when they so they ended up at a uh, ended up at a at a ranch and three let's see, two of them, two of them were tired. They were done and they were ready for it to be over with. So they stayed behind and I think they were ready to just surrender. They were like, hey, it's over with. So the third one ended up taking off and he ended up going where he had family in a several counties over. And I think he was eventually ready to give up. So I think, I think it just kind of, they were just tired. There was no direction, nobody leading them. They didn't know what to do. Bob had tried to get away from Gant. Uh Let's pull that back for one second. So as I understand, like Gant was the leader of this crew. But then, as you just said, that kind of contradicts it. There was no leadership in that moment. So, like, what happens? Like, did Leach kind of, okay, I've got an escape plan, guys, follow me. Da-da-da-da. They do it. And then now he's just not got any idea of where they should go next. Gant was not the leader. No, Leech no. So, was a leader. Sorry, Bob that's was a leader. My, yeah, my no, that's yeah. okay. So, like I said, Bob's whole purpose of breaking out of jail was because he wanted to get revenge on these people. And none of them were home. They went to several houses and conveniently at two in the morning, all of these people were not home. They went to several houses. They knew that Bob was going to escape the jail. They were very fully aware of it. Were they tipped off? They were involved in it. They knew Bob was going to escape. Uh, How did they know he was going to escape? 
Bob's ex-wife had a niece who went to visit Bob in the jail, and she helped break him out. She was telling him everything that was going on. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was um, they got, they, they were going to all these places and no one was home. And so what Bob was, I guess, in his mind, what he was wanting to do couldn't be done because he couldn't get revenge on these people. Um, they wouldn't answer the door or they just weren't home. So they went off and then he was, like I said, he was with all of these other inmates and that's when they, they tore off. They needed money. They needed this, they needed that. So that's when they started terrorizing everyone. They went to people's homes that they didn't know. So when they went to this ranch and they took a woman hostage, um, Bob and Gant ended up going together. Now, I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I know at one point, and even the woman that they had kidnapped from that ranch, it was her ranch, she had even stated in some of the statements that Bob was trying to get away from Gant because Gant was just, the, the longer this drew out, the more violent Gant was getting. And Bob wanted to get away from him. I guess he just didn't know how. So... They just, they stayed together. There wasn't any way to get away from him, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't one, thing know the reason. one thing that's interesting in the police reports is that there's a feeling amongst the detectives that Leach was obviously originally the leader, but then at some point he like lost his leadership to Gan. Can you speak to that? Did that happen at any point? It did, yes. So somehow at the shootout, and it may have even been before the shootout, um, when they had kidnapped the other several people that were kidnapped. In fact, they had run into some uh, hunters. They were young men and yeah. And, and they were trying to switch out vehicles is what they were trying to do. So Bob put up the hood of his truck cause he was trying to get them to stop and they did. And they ended up taking their, their truck. They switched vehicles on them is what they did. But to keep the hunters from going anywhere, Bob had carried them and hogtied them and put them in the back of the truck, in the back of the truck that they had swapped out with them. And then it seems like after that, when they went to the next home, according to the witness, the woman that they had kidnapped from the ranch, the first witness, the first person, somewhere there is when Bob kind of lost control. It's when Gant seemed to kind of take over. And I don't, I don't know. So yes, it's, it's, um, you are right in saying that, that Bob lost, I guess, the leadership role, maybe. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, it's, it's just yeah. what the detectives said, but I, I, I found yeah. it interesting when I was going through all this research and looking at different pointers and that there's more stuff I found throughout the research that's like, just poses questions from a like psychological perspective. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You're like, well, why would they choose to do this? Why would they do this? Why would they do this? And speaking of which, whilst Gant and Leach were apprehended in 2001, their individual trials took several years before final convictions were made. Why do you think this process was so slow, despite the overwhelming nature of their crimes and the severity of them and like how much evidence they had on them and everything? Uh, well, the DA in Bonham, Texas, um, he had just come into that position uh, where he was at. And they had had Gantt's trial pretty quick. Bob's 
they waited a while and it wasn't intentional. It was just an older case. They had to close them out. They'd had so many different cases that they were trying to get to. Um, the previous DA that was there had, had left um, because I guess they'd been there for so long. So a new DA had stepped in and, and he wanted to close up the old cases. And so that's why they, that's why they did that. Um, I just think there was just a backlog of so many cases and trials going on. I don't think it was intentional. I really don't. I think it just, you know, sometimes when you get into the, you know, the legal system and things, things sometimes they just take a long time, you know? That's the vibe I get. I mean, yeah. you're talking about the DA situation as well. That was something like that I read. Like it was basically passed from one person to another. And it's just like, yeah. oh, I hate when things just become about admin and stuff. It's like, oh, we've got to do that <laughs> case. Okay, let's get that in. Like, what? <laughs> like, surely it's the shut and close situation. But, um, <laughs> but, but, and that's interesting, actually. I, I know you say it was just kind of like how it happened, but. It must have been that out of the two of them, like Gant was considered like more of an immediate threat then, I guess. Like perhaps. You know, they were all they were all on the same page. Hmm. I don't think one was any worse than the other. I think it depends on who you ask. Right. Um now the law enforcement is fully aware that Bob helped and worked with them at the end to get Vincent and Irma out. Right. But we have to remember, <laughs> Bob was also the one that convinced all these inmates to break him out of the Grayson County Jail. Hmm. And if it hadn't been for his actions there, they wouldn't have ended up in a shootout. So they weren't dealing with someone who was walking a straight and narrow. They found someone who was willing to work with them and pull an end to this. And they had to take that. Now, I do want to say this. Um, Irma the wife who was held hostage in my book law enforcement saved them all but she was the heroine see she had worked in jails before and so she knew how to talk to inmates and she knew how to talk about she couldn't get gant's attention nobody could because gant was so violent he was so mean but she got the attention of bob and i believe i believe she she was a huge part and all of that coming to an end because she was able to to talk to him and get him to open up and and I think that's part of why Bob started working with law enforcement decided to bring it to an end during pre-trial discovery in 2006 neither Gant or Leach wanted to face a Fannin County jury why do you think this is I think because the crimes were so violent in Fannin County and Bonham didn't want to go through bob didn't because he just knew it'd be like shut and close he knew what he had done and he didn't want to go through that was it also maybe like he didn't want to face maybe some of the because you mentioned it like it's a small county so like he probably would have known a lot of people in the jury that would that be fair to say if i'd have been on the jury i'd have hung him so i bet 100 percent of those people in there certainly would have knowing what he did the crimes that he committed yeah he didn't want to go through that humiliation. Uh, he didn't want to go through that. And I say that strongly. You know, wow. I'm his family and I'm going to be very upfront with you. And he knows that. Um, he didn't have any business doing what he did to those victims. He or Gant. Is didn't the, have um, any business doing that. Is the death penalty still legal in that state? 
It is. He wouldn't have got the death penalty, though. Why do you think that is? Well, I, those charges wouldn't have stemmed from the death penalty. Okay. But he just, you know, the the, the crimes were just so heinous. You know, it just... So Gant has several life sentences, which have stacked up to as much as 91 years. I always, it's on the side though, I always find this kind of, it's not funny, but at the same time it kind of is, because it's like they stack on top of them and then people end up having, for like serious, serious crimes, they end up having like, oh, you have a 125 year sentence. And, and they actually bother to give them like, oh, you'll be out on this day. And it's like, yeah, okay, they, they're not going to live that long, like unless... That there's like a freak of science that occurs this is not going to happen um but one thing i found that was interesting about this is despite the fact that he's got up to 90 years stacked against him apparently he's eligible to be considered for parole in 2031 what are your thoughts on this i thought i couldn't believe this this has got to be i mean maybe it's kind of one of those things where okay, yeah, he's eligible, but there's no way he'll ever get it. But, I mean, there's a chance. And what? why is he even being considered for this? I don't know, but I'm going to be one of the individuals writing letters to the parole board telling them to leave him in there. Mm. I'm going to be part of one of those that, because of what he did to the foresters and all the other victims, I'm going to be one of those saying, do not let him out. Um. You know, Bob was a habitual criminal, and so he has 14 life sentences, and they're they're stacked, and so he's never going to get out. He doesn't have a chance really of getting out. Gant was also a criminal. He had started when he was a teenager. He lived in a some type of children's home for um, kids when they get in trouble. Um, they're close to Sherman, so he he was a repeat offender. So I think with the crimes that were committed and then him being a repeat offender, I think that's why those the sentences are so long. And they should be. Is, is Leach eligible for parole? I believe in 2034, 2035, but I don't believe he's he won't. I just I just find it interesting know. because like their individual sentences are different and the way they're treated are slightly different. I mean, it's it's comforting to at least hear that that okay, like they're mm-hmm. both eligible, but they'll probably get they won't get it. But um it's interesting. I mean, like for example, Bob received the same sentence as Gant, but for security reasons, his plea was conducted from the Fanning County Jail. And uh, apparently those concerns come from the FBI, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, I imagine it's because of what you were saying before about how there might be concerns if he was in in front of that jury. Obviously, he had said that he didn't want to be in front of that jury. But well, the the reason the the reason they moved the (laughs) trial into the jail is in uh, in Bonham is because um, they were afraid that Bob was going to escape because remember, he had done it twice before and they were afraid that there was going to be somebody who was going to break him out while he was traveling from the prison in the in the bus to uh, to where the trial was going to be held. The DA in uh, Bonham had told me that there was an airplane, there was there was a helicopter that flew overhead over the bus um, that Bob was in to make sure that he wouldn't escape. They had put a, 
they put, they put, uh, I don't know, they put something over his head so he couldn't see. So he was blindfolded. Or maybe they put something. He couldn't see where he was going, what he was doing. They were afraid he was going to break out. They had snipers on top of the rooftops there at the courthouse um, where they had the trial. Yeah, the, the DA went into great detail with me. He said they had that. They shut the town down, downtown on the square, because... Um, the crimes were so heinous. They were afraid he would break out. They were afraid he would get loose. And he think, went in. Do you think it's because mm-hmm. of the kind of organized nature of these gentlemen? So like they they very much anticipated that it probably would happen if there was even a slight window or a slight chance. They weren't worried about Gant escaping. I mean, or maybe they were, I don't know, but they were more worried about Bob because of his history with the jails, not the prisons, with jails. And so they didn't know. They didn't want to risk him getting out. Um, but I will say this. When he went into the jail in Bonham for the um, for the trial, for the, and it was just a few people in there, um, the DA had told me, you know, Bob was, he could tell he was ready for it to be over with. When he didn't want to fight. He didn't have any more. He was tired. You know, he just, he was exhausted. If that makes sense. Mm. He wasn't in there in his mind thinking, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to do, he wasn't thinking that. I think he had just kind of given up. I think he'd given up. And I think when I reached out to him and I said, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to write the story. I think it gave him a little hope. And I think we all need hope. I believe that. Um, I understand that. So the, the as I said, as we said earlier, the motivation now, the goal now is just find the rest of the assailants, really, and make sure mm-hmm. they get convicted. Hopefully, um, I wanted to ask, like, how has your book? kind of helped with the investigation of the crime and and how have things progressed since its release? Well, nobody's done anything. I keep looking into things, but nothing has happened so far. I don't know if it will. You never know. You never know. I mean, it (laughs) it helps to be for things like this, you know, coverage of of things, get people talking, you know, that's often what gets the ball rolling, isn't it? Because then more people start paying attention to it. And that's something that kind of blew my mind, actually. I'm hearing this story and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this is a movie right here. And sorry to like trivialize it in such a way, but like the reality is the the best stories are are always true stories. That's that's just how it is. And it's it fascinates me, this whole story, like just the psychology behind it, the organization, how many elements there are to this. I mean, you, you could talk about this all day. There's there's so much to unpack from it. And I, it kind of blows my mind that more people don't know about it, but I think that probably will change, to be honest, <laughs> as well, time goes you. on. I hope it does. I hope you're right. You know, the thing is, I've had people say, you know, how do you feel? I mean, you know, because a lot of people sensationalize on outlaws. They think, yeah. oh, hey. And I, w- <laughs> I want to make sure we understand that Nobody is trying to sensationalize on Bob Carroll. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is tell the story, but I don't want us to forget those victims. Those victims are amazing people and they've been through so much and their stories are just, 
you would not believe how what they've been through. And I think that's important for people to know that. You have to understand that people have been hurt and they and they de- they deserve that peace. They deserve their story to be told, but in a uh, respectful way, in a respectful manner. You know, my index is 23 pages long. I'm most proud of that out of the whole book because that's nothing but proof. That's all it is. It's proof of what I say. And those victims are part of that. Those people that have been victimized. I don't like calling them victims because they moved on. Mm-hmm. They hadn't let it define them. They just, it was something that happened and they, they're amazing people. They would make a great story. But if anyone wants to make it a story, I want it understood. Those people who were victimized, their story needs to be seriously heard. Yeah, I, I read into this. Um, all I can say, I'm not going to mention it here, but to anyone that's um, listening to the show, I would urge you to to read into the, the case files, read into the story, um, but do so with caution. Uh, there's a lot of distressing, upsetting stuff. Obviously, we've spoken a lot about the heinous nature of the crimes. Um, that's all I'm willing to say right now. I think it's just prepare yourself it's a lot um and as much as like i am kind of like fascinated by this and i was excited about this and stuff you know i i didn't get any enjoyment obviously out of reading that it it sounded horrific it was obviously very concerning and i I do feel for the victims of the crime um and i feel like yeah if 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 this is ever picked up as a story that will need to be handled with a lot of care and 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 respect because the reality is there were a lot of victims in this crime it wasn't just like a group of guys going out and just kind of all hell breaks loose and it's a laugh like it, absolutely not some people's lives were affected like forever because of this these crimes so that's definitely something to be um kept i think in 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 mind when approaching this this story and um, also, one thing I wanted to kind of ask you about is there's a, there's a couple of angles I, I want I want to discuss with you. So I'd like to kind of know more about how this has affected your life, how being related to Bob has affected your life. We spoke a little bit off camera about this, but I just wanted to kind of explore that a little bit because obviously earlier we spoke about the importance of protecting one's self identity being safe you know naturally you exposing certain things putting this story out there that puts you at risk so i want to kind of know how has this affected your life you know to be honest with you this has affected my life in a lot of positive ways that's good i've met a, a lot of amazing people um i have made lifetime friendships with people that I probably never would have before. I know I wouldn't have before. Yeah. Um, it has been, it has been a very good, positive thing for me. I have decided to write another book, not about Bob. Maybe if we can get a serious investigation, I may later, but right now I'm not. Um, (laughs) there, there have been a few bumps in the road. But my family has been my biggest support system. 
my friends and family. They've encouraged me along the way. So um, I'm, I have learned to be more, I was before, but more aware now. And um, if something doesn't seem right, if it's a little off, probably is. <laughs> I wouldn't change this if, you know, if somebody would have said, if, if you could have done something else, would you? No, because I feel very strong about the story. I feel very passionate about it. I did something nobody else has done about this. And I've, I feel like it, it, will, it will eventually be seen, maybe someday. I don't know, but I've at least told Bob's story. And to me, that was important. I told Bob and our family's story, and it deserved to be told. Nothing but good, positive things from this. Yeah. Speaking of which, you've had to rewrite this story at least three times because the people involved in the crime hacked into your computer. You, had, you dealt with a lot of different issues in just getting this book done and created. What can you tell us about that? Well, I have had an editor who's been with me from the very beginning, John. He is amazing. He's a dear friend. And every time I had to rewrite it, he and other family members would say, okay, let me check and see if you sent me anything because there's got to be something on record here. And he didn't have any current stuff. Um, every time I wrote it, it was better than the one before. So maybe, I mean, it worked out. I think the one thing that scared me the most, rewriting it angered me at times because I think, gosh, can't, I don't want to do it anymore. But it was the loosening of the lug nuts of our tires. Mine and family members' tires have been loosened. And I thought, this is it. That's what kept me going. I thought, you're doing it for a reason. And so am I. So there were times when I had to, when I was going through that process, I think this isn't going to get out there. And I kept going and it did. And, and the day that it finally did, I reached out to my assistant, Laura. My God, the lady's amazing. And we sent it to print. And I told her, I said, I'm done. And we were working around the clock to get it out there. We were trying to beat somebody else who had tried to steal the story. And that individual who tried to steal it was tied in with the individuals I exposed. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what they were doing because what I had done was coming out. All my hard work was being seen by people. It seemed like at the time it was just a, it was awful and I didn't think I could go on. But once it was out there, I realized I did a really good job and I'm proud of myself. I think I can do another one. <laughs> Yeah, talk us through that. What's what's what can we expect with this? Is it a follow up to this story? Is it something completely different? Tell us about that. It's something completely different. I don't want to write about Bob mm -hmm. again unless there's anything that has changed, any serious investigations, any updates, because I'm not going to write about the same thing. Yeah. Um, there are a few things that have that I'm looking into. They're true crime. One of them is true crime. And uh, it's exciting. It's local, close to home. Um, it oh. happened many, many, many years ago, back in the 50s. So it's a case that's been solved. But um, it's interesting. And like I said, it's kind of a local story. And if, if I can get the records, that's a big thing. 
If I can get the records <laughs> from the courts and everything, I'll write it. If I can't, then I'll have to move on. But that's my next one. I wish you the yeah. best of luck with that. I hope, I hope it continues, man. Sounds like you're onto something here with this kind of like detective yeah. kind of like re like. <laughs> I mean, I, I must say, like, I, I do love true crime um, as a as a genre a concept. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> Um, for many of the reasons that we discussed in in the show, you know, like the psychology behind things, why people choose it, because it's 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 people at the end of the day. You're studying people and why mm -hmm. people do things, mm -hmm. and where is their head at in a given time frame, and and you know, a lot of the time, sometimes it can be simple, sometimes it can be really complex. You know, mm -hmm. it's oh, it's amazing, it really is. Um, so I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. And uh, as we draw things to a close for today, I have a few questions completely unrelated to our topics today, but <laughs> I ask every guest this, and I'd love to ask you, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, the best advice I've ever received. I've received a lot of advice. There's been a lot of people around me. One of them is uh, to keep going, keep writing. Because you have a you have a talent, you just can't see it right now because of all the stresses in your life. Keep going. That encouragement, those encouraging words are the best advice I've received. And I've got that that um, that advice has come from a lot of people. A lot of people who love me. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Similar question, different angle. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? Biggest life lesson I've learned so far is to not take anything for granted. Mm. My family, <laughs> my loved ones live every day to the fullest because we're not promised tomorrow. You know, and be thankful truth. for what you have. Yeah, just be thankful for what you have. It's been amazing. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing your story, for, for giving us uh, further insights into this story. I couldn't recommend enough. Everybody go out and get yourself a copy of The Notorious Texas Swindler by Pepper Ann. I think this is an incredible story that still has a lot to be told and can't wait for you to tell it. And um, yeah, just I just wish you the very best of luck. And thank you so much for, for being on the show. It's been an honor. Thank you. I've had so much fun coming on today. I've I've really enjoyed myself. Thank that's you. That's what I like to hear, man. That that's it. <laughs> well, no, because for me, it's 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 huge. I, I love my guests to have a good time too. Um, I loved doing this show. I I loved looking into the, the into the research for this because I always do research on my guests regardless. But this obviously required me to do to go that extra step because it's like you have to understand fully what to ask but you have to understand why you're asking what you're asking and and obviously you know because it's it'd be very easy to be sit there and, and just ask like the basics but I like to really delve deep and try and get into take it that extra step and see where you can take it you know and uh, I just love the whole process so thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> and to the listeners of the Christian Reed podcast I hope you enjoyed this show as much as I did please go out of your way to check out Pepper Ann's work and please let me know who you'd like to see on the show next, what you'd like to hear about next. And as always, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.